I did go to the doctor the other day, and I was sitting there in the office, and he was the eye doctor looking at my eyeballs, and I thought about Debbie, and they, I was praying for her as I was sitting there, because I uh, had my eyelids had been running and stuff, the cat had been licking in my neck, so. You have a bulletin, and the bulletin gives um, kind of a, a brief survey of our notes or what we're going to be looking at, and that is about Paul's motivation. Um, first of all, his motivation that he's really concerned, and I guess the text that we want to start with is in chapter 2, <clears throat> beginning verse 1, Paul says, I for I know how great a struggle I have for you on your behalf. Paul struggling and has that word there has to do with agonizai, agony. Let me, let me pray first. Pray for my throat and my mind and stuff like that. Father, thank you for um, this time. Thank you for these dear people. They're very patient with me, and I thank you for that. And so are you. I thank you for your patience and thank you for your mercy and thank you for your love and your grace and your care. And thank you for the, your word that um, you dispense, that it works in our hearts, works in our lives, transforms us, and um, we are in desperate need of being transformed. I am. I want, I want more and more to be less like myself and more and more to be like you, more and more to have a passion your work and your program and your purpose and your plan and less and less to be seething in my own self-indulgence or my own uh, world of pleasure or uh, indulgence or whatever it is <clears throat> that we like we, and I do we, we, we do like love we were talking about it and I do like that but that really kills the spirit and uh, I, I really want my life to count for you what little there is that it can contribute. I want it to contribute to the maximum amount to your love and your glory. Lord, I think about the day when we'll stand before you and see you face to face. Um, reminiscent of Fanny Crosby and some of the, the things that she said would be an awesome time. Um, I'm not ready for that. Not like I'd like to be. I, I really want to see really changed lives and hopes and passions and so I pray that my life I pray for that in the life of the church I pray that you'll help us to as, as Jesus confronted Peter uh, to love you and to have a real heart for you more than we have a heart for ourselves or our own little games so as we look at this morning and kind of get a little over, overview of some of these things that Paul has been writing I pray that you'll be speaking to my heart and our hearts and help us to be sensitive to what is here in this letter written by that great man from a prison cell in Rome to a group of people that he really didn't know uh, about their salvation. It's just a strange thing to me as I was thinking about this, how this man can be in real struggle. That's what he says there, to a struggle, but he's going to tell us it's a struggle with people he hasn't even met. Um, thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your people and uh, the way you use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. 
Now remember, Paul is in prison, and he's re he's responding now. He has heard uh, reports from Epaphras about the church and some of the things, uh, just some of the things that are concerns. <clears throat> and nothing so specific that Paul can give any great details, but you get a lot from reading between the lines. And so Paul is concerned, and he has a struggle. He says, "I want you to know what a great struggle or the great struggle that word there." You could almost translate uh, agony, same with the word previous, verse 29, the word striving. And uh, so Paul says, I want you to know what a great struggle I have on your behalf for those who are at Laodicea. Right? So he's, he's talking right to the ones at Colossae, but then also, and for those at Laodicea, which is a, a town or a group or a little location, a city, there was a church in Laodicea, Revelation talked about that and uh, next near near Colossae and then he goes on to say um, and for those who have not personally seen my face so there are many there that you've never seen me you've never met me and yet uh, I have a real struggle for you and I want you to know that I'm struggling for you and I want you to be encouraged what kind of man is this that that um, he's writing he's, he's writing to people he's and pouring out his heart to people that he's not met he doesn't know and uh, he knows about them from Epaphras but he has a heart for them and he really wants them to be encouraged that's what he says there um, and in the context that we wanted to back up uh, he, Paul in this same context and talking about the struggle says he wants God's people to be complete in Christ uh, he says we proclaim Christ, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also, I labor, I work, I strive. There's that word that we get translated almost the same down as struggle. Striving according to his power, which mightily works in me. So Paul is saying here that I'm struggling, I'm, I'm working. God's, God's uh, wisdom and power is working in me. And I'm striving that, but I've never met these people. I'm really concerned for them, and I'm really battling for them, and I'm working to have them presented complete in Christ, presented before the Lord, being able to to stand before Him. And so here's a here's a here's something that really speaks to my heart, because um, I, I I have to work at, at caring for people sometimes. I really do. I have to. I have to think about that, that here's a person that God loves and uh, that he wants to, to reach them and he does and I'm here and I have the message that I can talk to them but you see you have to it, it doesn't just come flowing out by itself like I would like for it to do that and uh, it's because I'm selfish and self-centered I'm thinking about myself and uh, so I, I uh, I'm thankful to men like Paul he remember he was on the Damascus Road and and he met the Lord on the road, and uh, the Lord asked him why he was persecuting him. And of course, he revealed himself to Jesus, and he began to work in Paul's life. And said, I'm going to send you to people, and you're going to be turning the hearts of the Gentiles, uh, which are which are people that Paul was the least probably concerned about, was the Gentiles. But you're going to be my instrument to touch these lives and to bring these people into faith and sure enough Paul did become that instrument uh, and that 
that firebrand, if you will, that that apostle and messenger of the Satan, I mean of the Savior, to bring these people to in faith. And I'd like that to be true of me. I don't know about you. It's easy to be satisfied, I think, with little things. That's why I said earlier that uh, it's easy. if I'm comfortable with the house and I have everything I need. My son was over yesterday. We were we were talking kind of thinking about plans and stuff and uh, we were talking about uh, heating the house and being comfortable and, uh, and stuff like that. And comfort is, is a killer because if I'm comfortable and I have everything I need, what do I need? I'm like the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. He wanted eternal life, but he didn't want it to cost him anything. And that's not, it's going to cost somebody something. And of course, Jesus paid his life, paid, put his life out on the cross. But he doesn't pour his life out on the cross and then turn and tell us, now you just have to believe and he doesn't make any difference what you do. It does matter what you do. It does matter the commitment that you have. Uh, in this text, we're going to be getting down to that verse where Jesus said, where he talked about trusting Jesus um, as Lord. That's something that uh, I didn't do at first to my salvation. My salvation, I was just, I thought being saved was coming to the Savior, and that was everything there was. And I could do my own thing. I had to learn that. I learned that to a large extent going out in Grace Church, for which I am extremely, eternally thankful to the ministry and to the minister John uh, to, to kind of help us to realize, help me to realize that when you come to Jesus, you don't just come to him and say, He's also the Lord and uh, He's the boss. And so we come to Him and, and seek to serve Him and surrender to Him. So Paul is writing to these people and he's got this, this, this heart tug, this battle. That's that's uh, it's kind of going on in his life, and he he talks about that. Um, he he mentions from the text. He says that, that these people are not seeing their face. I want their hearts to be uh, encouraged, um, having been knit together or united together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from a full assurance of understanding that word understanding has to do with mental intelligence and resulting in the full knowledge of God's mystery. So what he's saying here is that I want you to be knit together uh, in the fellowship, in the bond of love, which is that relationship with the Lord, which the Spirit of God and the Word of God work to make you like Him, to give you a heart like Him. I want you to be like-minded. I want you to, to be united together in this bond this unity of love that's what we have here we were talking about earlier about sharing you know opening up your heart this is our family and we love each other we love the lord and um this is this is really more like a hospital than it is a, a, a nursery or a place of rest and comfort because all of us are struggling with self-centeredness all of us are struggling with with depravity and sin and stuff like that. John's been preaching and I've been recording those, not recording, but listening to them. <coughs> series on deliverance. Uh, and uh, the church is a place that helps people with deliverance. We're the ones that have the answer. We're the ones that can, can and we're the only ones that really have the answer. Even we, we in our Bible study, we have, um, at the Ramble, we have uh, several families that have loved ones that, uh, have been started out young and it's an easy life, days of wider roses, partying and social drinking and 
maybe a few uh, drugs and stuff, but it gets to the point that it's, it's there all the time. It dominates your life, and you can't flick it. You can't drop it. And so they have these institutions of recovery ministries and things like that. And that's, I, I think that's probably uh, the ignored um, a major focus that is ignored today because every city that I can, again, I can tell when I began to look into that has, well, like Asheville, I know that the Asheville has about 20 or 30 recovery ministries mm -hmm. in it. Places that go, some of them are pretty expensive and some of them are not expensive. Places that have a room you go and you kind of, you live there for a while, you get 30 days locked down uh, and, and they, you just you have to abstain from all these physical things. And they try to work with you on it, and you, uh, we have a, a girl there at uh, Lowe's who told me about that at the beginning. I met her some time ago. And she's um, had struggled with that and struggled with that, and you come off and then you go back, you come off and you go back. And, but the gospel is the one that helps you come off and not go back. The gospel, really, if, and that's the point, is this, the gospel is not simply that you just say, okay, I'm going to believe in Jesus. Uh, I've seen that. and But just saying, I'm going to believe in Jesus doesn't change your heart. It's your commitment. Jesus says, you come and die. If you want to come after me, now you start taking cross and follow me. Put it first. And he'll enable you. What was this? Paul talked about these sins that you have in the flesh. But he said, such were some of you. You're no longer the alcoholic. You're no longer this. Once you've come to Christ and once he's got hold of your life, you don't have to keep change, calling yourself, I'm a former alcoholic or I'm a former drug addict or whatever like that. I'm a child of God. I've been delivered. God gives me victory over that. The church is, is a hospital like that. It's, that's what we, we are to encourage each other. It doesn't matter whether you've got tattoos on your arm or you've got long hair. It matters what's in your heart and what happens and what the Lord is doing in your life. And he's the one that delivers us and he's the one that saves us. And so we want to we want to be sensitive to that. And Paul had that burden in his heart. He was, he was uh, very serious about that. And so anyway, he's saying here that I want to come and, and I want to be knit together. You have your hearts knit together and knit together in love. And I want you to attain to the massive wealth. I love that word that comes from the full assurance, the full intelligent grasping of this full knowledge of God's mystery, uh, and that mystery he's talking about here, the full knowledge there is in Christ, the, who has the hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Such a wealth and a treasure trove of greatness in the person of Christ. Um, John was talking yesterday to him, uh, I was listening to him on, uh, he was talking about uh, great preachers like Calvin and, and Luther and Wesley and others and all the preaching they did, and you know, I mean, there was massive, uh, like some of them did uh, 15 or 20 sermons a week, uh, just, uh, and, and more. And, uh, but the way they did that was, it wasn't that they were just so good at coming up with things, but that they were in the Word, and the Word was in them, and it permeated their hearts, and you could get on the topic and, and kind of run that through. And uh, it's really very, very productive to be in the Word and to have that Word in you and have an understanding of who Christ is and what he's done. Uh, Debbie mentioned uh, earlier 
water. And uh, <clears throat> he would be like talking to Isaiah, and I, I can see that too. I can see him talking about that. I personally want to talk to Job. I would like to sit down and talk to him. I'd like to know as much as I can about him. I, I think he was one of the greatest men in the Old, in the old Testament. And uh, so anyway, but to talk to these people, and we will. We'll have the opportunity to sit down and talk to them. And then we won't be rushed with 10 minutes after the service, we have to leave. But we'll have plenty of time. We can sit down and say, have a seat, Joe. Let's sit down here. And now let's talk about these things. And we can just go over all these things. Tell me what happened. What happened to these three friends? Did they ever really straighten out or whatever? And because uh, he went through kind of the ringer with these guys. Um, and yet he was a great man. He was, not was. He still is a great man. Had his family pray for his family all the time. And um, but anyway, we learn from these people, and we have an opportunity to read about them, and then and uh, we think about the future times that we can sit down and talk. Anyway, here is this this uh, statement here that he says, learn about God's mystery, which is Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Hidden just means that they, there are things that are there that are not readily available on the surface. I found that out, by the way, to be true. There used to be uh, uh, writers that wrote books of the Old Testament. I remember there was one called Gleanings in Genesis and then Gleanings in Isaiah, uh, Gleanings in this. Now, what, it, what they're saying is that there's a lot of uh, hidden things in these books if you begin to read them and study them, you can glean these little treasures. And that's true. It really is. If you study the Bible, the more you read it, the more you ponder it, the more you get into it and dig into it, the more it affects your life, the more it digs in your life and, and opens your heart and mind. So here's Paul, and he's talking about the struggles that he's having, and he's wanting to work with these people, and he's got a burden for them. He wants them to be encouraged. He doesn't want them to be deluded or um, tricked. He says, by the way, in this, in this uh, backing up in the context, when he talks about the church uh, and his body and the, 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 uh, the, he was placed as a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on you for your benefit. Here is Paul now moving from his burden to kind of his, his uh, passion, if you will. That is that he's got a passion that's come from God. That's what he says there in, in the verse 24, chapter 1. So now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, because he's in prison. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh, or in my body, in suffering, I do my share on behalf of his body. What's that? That's Christ's body. I do my, my, do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church. And I do it in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. So he's saying here that Paul is, there is suffering that Christ is now, he's not being persecuted, he's in heaven, but there is suffering that's being aimed at him, trying to get at Christ, and so what is lacking in Christ's suffering, Paul says, I'm going through now, and have you understood that, have you seen that, that if you really put Jesus first, there's a hardship, it's a difficulty, it, it goes counter to the flesh, it really does, and uh, that's one of the things, that's what makes it so hard. I think of that verse all the time. You want to come up to me, deny yourself. I don't want to deny myself. I do not. I like to indulge myself. But that is not the Christian pathway. That's not the pathway of growth. That's not the pathway of profit. 
And I have to learn that. It's a hard lesson to learn, but it is a very valuable lesson. Luke 14 is a real good verse on that way. Luke, uh, Jesus said, no one can be my disciple. Who does not hate his mother, father, wife, sister, brother, and so on, you can go on. In other words, you can't be my disciple if you're putting, if you're letting other people interfere with that, if you're putting somebody else first. That hating one and loving the other, if you want to hate one and love the other, is explained in the verse where he says you can't, no uh, slave can serve two masters, like God and money. If you try to do that, you're going to love the one and hate the other. It means you're going to pick one over the other. And that's true. We don't have one master. Only one. And that's the Lord. He's a good master. And he promises to get us safely through to the other side. And that's a good thing. We have the best, really, really, really true. We have the best of both worlds in the sense that he's promised to take care of us uh, and, and to see us keep us safe and use us for his glory if we're willing to be used to him. He told the, the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler came to him. Uh, I often, not often, but thought about that the times the young man came to him, why Jesus didn't criticize him for things that he didn't do or whatever. He didn't do anything. He didn't have any words of criticism whatsoever. Uh, he said, why do you call me good? I was only one good to God. Have you thought about that? Yeah, you're calling me good, but the only one good to God. And the young man said, well, I want to know what I need to do to get to heaven. So he, he gave him some of the commandments. And he said, I've done all these from my youth up. Well, obviously, I'm sure that he didn't, wasn't perfect, but I'm sure he did what he thought he could do. He said, well, there's one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. After follow me. That one thing meant that he was going to have to put Jesus before his money. And, uh, Beloved, that's not easy. That is not easy. That is, that is what I've had to learn. I've been learning that myself, that, that Jesus needs to come first. And uh, it, he has to do that. And so that's a good lesson. That's a valuable lesson, but it's a good lesson. So he um, says here in the passage, <clears throat> um, I do my share in his, in, in his body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. I was made a minister for this purpose, according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. You'll kind of rest there. Uh, we talked about that the other day. The word stewardship, steward, a slave type of slave is a house slave that was given responsibility of the house to oversee the house, to direct the other slaves, to see that the resources were used wisely in the household and things of this nature. He, was, he had that responsibility to oversee it. And that's the word that he's using here. I was made a a minister or servant according to the stewardship, that position that God has bestowed on me. Uh, he's, he's placed that on my shoulders, if you will. Um, for your benefit. He did it for your benefit. I'm, I'm sitting here with this responsibility that I've been given by God, but the responsibility that I have that has been given to me and entrusted to me and hold God holds me accountable is strictly for your benefit. That's what that's why I'm doing that. And so um, Paul is really burdened for these people and he's concerned for the people. He's got his heart that's poured out on behalf of these people. And he's working, even suffering uh, for these people. And he says, I want to do it for your benefit so that I might carry out the ministry, which is the teaching, the communication of God's word, 
Uh, and he talks about that mystery again, this time to the, to the Gentiles, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to the saints. So Paul is saying, this God's new plan is to reach the Gentiles. I'm a good one to do that because I wasn't a big Gentile fan. I was a Jew, and I was a Jew of the Jews, and Pharisee of the Pharisees, and everything. And I was, I had everything, all my ducks in a row and everything. I was very, very critical. And I even persecuted the church putting people in prison and stuff like that. But God's given me this responsibility, this duty, and uh, now I carry out and teach the ministry and pass on the word of the mystery that has been hidden uh, in God's hidden ages and generations, but now been manifested to his saints. And God will make it known uh, for the riches of the mastery or the mystery of the glory or the mystery of his is the honor uh, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him. And that's Paul. That's the that's really the burden. Paul's heart is burden for the Lord. That's that's the one thing that I would if I were to, to challenge challenge you out of what we're looking at here this morning is the burden that Paul has for the people that comes from the Lord, the stewardship from the Lord is a burden for them to really come to know the Lord and to be in that Christ be formed in them but they people he's never met never seen uh but he's seen epaphras but he, he, this is a long distance ministry but it's so important that the pastor epaphras has gone 1300 miles to tell paul of some of the struggles that he sees in the church and paul is running back and he's burdened and he wants the church to be encouraged and so he's doing that he's talking about the struggles that he's had with them and so he's he's writing them and saying i want you to be encouraged You've been knit together. I want you to be knit together in love, um, which comes from a full assurance of understanding. This full knowledge of God, let me just say something about that real quick. Um, nothing really is better, and, and I mentioned that with the preaching of these uh, words that John mentioned. They could preach so many different sermons. Nothing's better than having a good understanding of, of God's word and working on it in your life. That's how you get, that's how I've gotten and that's how you get an understanding of the scripture is not by just studying it, not by just hooking up a, an academic text or a verse and seeing what it says, but seeing what it says and applying it to your life and letting it work in your heart. And that, that's, uh, that's really where the value is. We were talking about suffering this morning, and, and I know we don't like to talk about suffering because it's not a very pleasant topic, but we suffer, all of us suffer, and uh, suffering is part of God's plan for us. It's part of his plan for me. It's part of his plan for you. And the object of the suffering is not to get rid of it. Well, that may be the object for me. I don't get rid of this thing. I don't like this, what's going on. But if I just get rid of it, it hasn't produced anything. It hasn't done any good. And the suffering's been wasted. But if the suffering is producing something, if I am learning from that, if he's, if he's able to get through my, see, I'm very something and he's uh, very self-centered. He's able, and you and I, you can tell about that because I keep talking about this. But uh, if, if he, he'll take these things and he'll use them in my life and produce these things that, that glorifies him and honors him and uh, makes us care for other people. Because I don't by myself. I, it's hard for me to do that, but God does. And he, he cares. And he, I remember Roger Weiner told me one time. I, I, some of you remember Roger. Not, not all of you do, but Roger was, he was a good guy. And uh, he told me one time, he said, you know, when I get on an airplane, 
uh, and I sit down, and somebody sits beside me, said one of the first things I do is try to say something about Jesus, just in case they move me somewhere else or somebody else moves somewhere else, at least I'll have an opportunity to say one thing. If they don't pick up on it, that's okay. But he said, I don't want to miss that opportunity. And I thought, my goodness, that's so opposite for me. But I, got, I, I think about, oh, what about Alabama? What's going on down there? These things. And I think about everything else that's not important. But he's thinking about a thing that is important. I love that guy. He's, he's, he's a good, pray for one of you. Anyway, um, God is good. We learn lessons from each other. We learn these lessons and these things that happen. And the suffering is one of the things that teaches us these things. So I'm going to, I guess, bring this to a close. And you can tell I was not prepared like I'd like to be prepared this morning. I've been thinking about these things, reading through these things, these scripture verses. I think it's important that God works on our hearts. I know it's important that God works in our hearts. He uses the scripture in our hearts to, to mold us and to make us into the likeness of Christ. And uh, you, can, you can pray. God's working in the church. I'm looking forward to the big picture Sunday. It'll be interesting to see what happens and how he, what he's doing. But do appreciate the, uh, the piano over there, too. The, the young lady's sister signed it. And, uh, we, I've been praying for you, by the way, Eric. Yeah, since our prayer time the other day, I've been praying. But God is good. He's merciful. He's gracious, and uh, he's he's working in our hearts. And uh, he wants us to care for people. He's going to do that and uh, make us sensitive. I think to what he has to say to us and to do with us. Do through us. But any thoughts or comments or whatever? I got about three, four minutes. If you have something you want to say. Okay, we want to pray. Father, thank you for your patience with us. We were talking, I was talking about that earlier. But that isn't a cliche. That's a fact. I know that. I'm very thankful that you love us. I'm very thankful. We're all different. You put together a, an interesting uh, conglomeration. Uh, I've had people point out that you're a block pastor and God is the one that chooses these people, and that's true. And I'm very thankful for what you're doing and very thankful for your goodness to us. Thankful for the circumstances that you've brought into our lives. I don't thank you for the trials, but yet I do thank you for the trials because I know that the trials that come our way come from you. I know that. And I know that they're designed, as James says, to count it joy. Why? Not because we're a martyr, not because we like pain and suffering. I don't like it. None of us like it. I want to get rid of it as quick as I can. But I know that it comes from a heart of love, and I know it comes with good intention. And I know that those intentions are in your hand, and I know that you are effective in communicating those things to us. And so we kind of have to leave that in your hand and trust you. That's what I've been doing with the, our study on John 10, on the great shepherd, that you're the one that's shepherding us and working in us and helping us to become what you want us to be, because we're not there yet. So I just pray. Thank you for this time and ask your blessing upon this evening. As we come back together, also pray for the leadership meeting this afternoon. It's an important meeting. Pray that you would oversee the things that we look at, that Jesus Christ, in every case, in all circumstances, will be honored and glorified. And he'll be lifted up. And we pray in his name with thanksgiving. Amen.